For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish, but have everlasting life. That's the greatest love story that there has ever been told. Uh, I remember uh, my parents telling me about how they met, and uh, apparently my dad was sitting in the church service and saw my mom sitting in the choir and leaned over to his buddy and said, that's the woman I'm going to marry. And he said, you're crazy. She's engaged to somebody else. <laughs> and, uh, you know, we all have these different stories. It's interesting to hear these stories that we have, but uh, the story that God loved us in Christ is the greatest story. And, uh, and because of what God has done, we need to love each other. And we need to let him live through us that life of love so that we can walk in close fellowship with him and, and minister to each other in the way that he desires. Uh, this scripture, Paul is, is giving just a brief two verses here about love. And he's describing some things about love that may be a little surprising to you. Uh, but uh, it is definitely a great description of love. So each of us needs to love other people through the power of the Holy Spirit. The title of my message is Describing Christian Love. So look with me at verse 9. Love must be without hypocrisy. Detest evil. Cling to what is good. Show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Outdo one another in showing honor. Describing Christian love. What is Christian love like? First of all, love is sincere. It's sincere. Without hypocrisy is what verse 9 says. Um, Christian love comes from the heart. It is made possible when we are walking in the filling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, Galatians 5 and verses 22 and 23 uh, tell us about the fruit of the Spirit. But literally, um, in the original, it is a singular fruit, love, and all the other things come out of that. Joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, gentleness, faithfulness, self-control, so forth and so on. Uh, all of these things come out of God's Spirit living through us this love. And it's a genuine love. How is it that God can empower us to love people who are different than we are? Um, one of the amazing things about Christianity, I think, is how people from different parts of the world, different races, different socioeconomic class, can come together and love each other and be unified. It is a miracle of the Holy Spirit. You don't find it anywhere else in the world. When God's Spirit is living through people, there's a sincere, genuine love. Um, I, I met a guy from Burma uh, when I was going to the Criswell College, and uh, he shared with me some of the things that he had experienced there. But I just felt a kinship automatically uh, in talking with him. Uh, there's a guy from South Africa named Livingstone Zetha, who now pastors a church in South Africa. Uh, met him and uh, uh, he shared with me his testimony, powerful testimony. There's an instant kinship there uh, between he and I. Then there was a guy uh, named Maurice who was uh, from Oak Cliff. 
uh, if you're familiar with Tony Evans, Tony Evans preaches in Oak Cliff. Well, this, this fellow, Maurice, I can't remember his last name, but he preached in Oak Cliff as well. Uh, different race. But again, I felt that kinship with him. How is it possible? It is made possible through the power of the Holy Spirit in us. How is it possible to love your enemies? It's only possible through the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, sometimes that's difficult. It's hard to sort out your feelings when you've got someone who is op- opposing you or perhaps opposing Christ. And you're, you're having to sort these feelings out. Can you imagine what David must have felt at times with Saul? We've been talking about him on Sunday morning. This guy seeking his life, but he's also opposing God. How do you sort these feelings out? I can remember one time praying, okay, God, I know I'm supposed to forgive, but this particular individual, I have there, there's an anger there in my heart. Is this because I haven't forgiven him, or is this because of what he's doing uh, in opposing what you're doing? And I had to sort that out in my heart. But it's amazing how God can give you love for somebody that is opposing you uh, or even opposing the things of Christ. Um, I had a a buddy uh, in school uh, by the name of Alan Kent, and he would go out and do street preaching. And he was out there street preaching one day on the streets of Dallas, and this man began to curse him and just yelling these vile, filthy things at him while he was preaching. That'll draw a crowd, I guess. It's interesting to see what's going to happen. But uh, Alan continued to preach, and, and those who were there with him that day were sharing with me that one moment that guy was screaming profanities, the next moment he was down on his knees giving his heart to Christ. That's the power of Christ's love through us. It's a supernatural power that can only happen through his Holy Spirit. So if you're struggling with that, ask God to give you that heart of love for that other person. Uh, It's a good thing to to ask the Holy Spirit just to live through you. (laughs) I've got to where I say, Lord, speak through me, act through me, think through me, be through me. Lord, I need it in every category of my life. You live through me, and it's amazing how he'll do that. Uh, through you if if you're willing to let him do that through you. So love is sincere. Occasionally you will see in the church someone who is prejudiced, someone who is uh, antagonistic toward a certain class. That's not Christian love. That's something to be repented of. God told Paul when he was on the road to Damascus, he said, uh, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? Who are you, Lord? I'm Jesus whom you're persecuting. Jesus was at the right hand of the Father. What did he mean? Well, Saul was persecuting the church of God. Jesus says, you mess with them, you mess with me. Kind of like on the playground. You speak about my mama, we're going to have words, right? Uh, uh, There is a sense in which Jesus says, I identify... With the suffering of my people. And so uh, we need to be very careful with that. Let that love be sincere. Ask God to change your heart and give you a heart of repentance uh, if you're struggling to love sincerely. So describing Christian love, what's it like? Love is sincere. Secondly, love is passionate. 
Verse 9, love must be without hypocrisy, detest evil. That word detest is a really powerful word in the original. It means to abhor, to loathe. I loathed lima beans growing up and I loathe them today. Uh, Some of you uh, have a loathing for certain things. Uh, You can't stand uh, certain things. But we're to have a loathing for what is evil. Does that sound strange to you? What does the world say? Well, if you you Christians are supposed to love us, that means you're supposed to accept our lifestyle. Isn't that what they tell us? That's not what God's Word says. God's Word says that true Christian love involves hating evil. an amazing thought. Now, we don't hate the person who's committing the evil. We love the person. But we hate the evil. We despise it. We abhor it. When somebody attacks somebody else in your family, what is your response? Do you, do you get angry? Do you get defensive? Do you reach out? I, I remember one preacher saying, uh, they can say what they want to about me, but they better not talk about my wife or there's going to be a fight. Um, there's a sense in which we identify with those people that we love and the things that are and the people that are enemies to us to our to our family members are enemies to us because we love our family members and we identify with them. Uh, when you're under attack for the things of God, guess what? It's going to be hard for your family as well. Uh, so we identify. Uh, evil is God's enemy. Evil is the enemy of the church, God's people. It destroys lives. It destroys families. Sometimes it destroys churches. How many churches in in the United States of America have closed their doors? Oftentimes because of evil. Uh, I want you to know something. Evil is the enemy. Christ died to save us. From sin, not just the penalty of sin, but the power of sin, so we could live a godly, holy life that is pleasing and honoring to Him. Now, none of us loathes evil all the time. You know how I know that? Because you have an old nature and I have an old nature. And our old nature delights in sin, our new nature delights in God and hates sin. Uh, But again, this is something that we do through the power of the Holy Spirit. But recognizing your attitude towards sin. Attitudes and and heart conditions precede outward sin. Uh, Jesus said, out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. He also said uh, that from the heart come murderers, murders, adulteries, and all of these different things. Uh, The heart is where all this stuff begins. So, a love for God means, means that we need to have a hatred for evil. Uh, that may mean saying, God, help me to look at sin the way you look at sin. God, give me a heart that hates evil and that is passionately against it. Um, 
I think we ought to stand against evil in our personal lives. We ought to stand against evil in our families. We ought to stand against evil in our church. We ought to stand against evil in our community and in our nation. I believe in calling your congressman. Don't be rude or unkind, but tell them, I'm watching what you're doing, and I'm asking you to vote this way. Why? Because it's, it's, not, a, it's not a matter of a political party. It's a matter of right and wrong. And sometimes we need to do that. Um, so take your stand. Vote. One way you can influence. Some people say, well, I don't like either candidate. Well, vote for the better of the two. <laughs> uh, one great thing is, as Americans, we may not always have the best choices, but at least we have a choice. And there are a lot of places in the world where, where they don't have a choice. They just have to put up with the leadership that they have. Uh, so um, be passionately against evil. Uh, sometimes people, they, they are neutral toward evil. That's what the world wants us to be. But, but God says, I want you to be passionate. I want you to hate evil. Stephen was passionate. He gives a history of Israel in his message. And then he says, and you're still doing the same thing today. And he confronts the sin passionately under the anointing of the Holy Spirit. People didn't like it too much. They gnashed their teeth and they rushed at him and they stoned him to death. But the Bible says Jesus was standing at the right hand of God, looking down and let, let Stephen see what he was doing in support. Uh, God hates evil. You ever wonder why Christ had to come? God's not neutral toward evil. He hates it. He, he despises it. Matter of fact, uh, the, the scripture talks about the fact that the Lord is too holy to look at evil. doesn't mean God doesn't know that it's happening, but God is repelled by evil. That's why our sin separates us from God. That's why we need a Savior. All you have to do to see God's attitude toward evil is look at what happened with Jesus on the cross. As the sky turned black and the wrath of God was poured out upon his son, God is passionately against evil. So should we be. And that is perfectly consistent with God's love. Uh, second, er, secondly, thirdly, love is committed. Love is sincere, love is passionate, love is committed. He says, love must be without hypocrisy, detest evil, cling to what is good. Literally, be glued to what is good. Uh, this is the same kind of terminology that's used of Adam and Eve. And a man will leave his father and mother and be joined to his wife. The word literally means to be glued to his wife and the two shall be one flesh. There's a, a, a commitment that is there that is it's stick to itiveness, right? Um, worldly love is different. It's selfish. Worldly love is oftentimes not committed. Um, we see uh, people who uh, commit adultery and who leave their family. That's not God's love. 
We see people who say, if you love me, you'll let me uh, in a dating relationship. That's not God's love. God's love is a committed love. First of all, committed to God. Secondly, committed in its love for other people. Jesus, while we were yet sinners, died for us. That's commitment. Uh, Somebody once said, as Christians, we need to love each other warts and all. Uh, We need to love those in our family unconditionally. Those in our church unconditionally. Those who are lost unconditionally. A commitment to love. Why is it that Paul could go to a place uh, like Lystra or Derby? And uh, be persecuted for his faith and then return. What an amazing thought. That's the love of God. It's a committed love. It's painful sometimes to us. Um, Carol Cimbala in, in her book uh, sharing about her, her daughter Chrissy's rebellion uh, talked about the painfulness that it caused her when she left and she rebelled against her parents, and how, how God had to carry her through that time. And she wrote that song, He's Been Faithful, because God was faithful to her through, through that time to her. Um, they continued to pray for her daughter, and her daughter ended up repenting of, of her sin and coming back, and now she's in ministry. Why? Because her parents committed in love but more than that because her God was committed in love to her Um, so Christian love is committed Uh, there was a a deacon in my first church his name was Dorsey Turner his wife's name was Maudine and uh, they had been married I don't know a long time you know 50 years I don't know maybe 60 uh but she told Sherry one night, she said, uh, yeah, Dorsey, every, every night, because I don't like to be cold, he gets in the bed on my side and warms it up for me. And then he lets me get in after it's warmed up. And I thought to myself, wow, isn't that something? He's committed to her, I'm going to tell you right now. <laughs> and uh, he's, he's not just staying in a situation that he doesn't want to be in, he he delights to do good for her. That's the kind of love that God wants us to have. Uh, this love that is committed and that delights in helping other people. That's the love God has for us. Jesus said, no one takes my life from me. I lay it down willingly. That amazes me. Have you ever thought about this? Jesus knew you at your worst. He's God. He's, he's omni- he has the power of omniscience. He knew before you were ever born the worst that you would ever do. And yet he said, I still love them. I'm still choosing to die for Roger Pugh or for whatever your name is, right? That's that's the personal love that Christ had for us. It's an unconditional love. It's a committed love. Uh, So much so, no greater love than this, that a man lay down his life for his friends. That's what Jesus did. Jesus laid down his life for his enemies. 
a committed love. So love is sincere, love is passionate, love is committed, love is demonstrated. Verse 10, show family affection to one another with brotherly love. Uh, There's two Greek words that are used here. One is the love of parents and children for each other, and one is the love of siblings for each other. And God uses a family as a demonstration of the kind of love we need to have. Now, if you have a dysfunctional family, do not use your family as an example. Uh, But pick somebody who has a a good family situation and observe and take lessons from that. Uh, But if you have a positive family model, uh, look at that. And and God uses that to reveal how we are to relate to each other in the body of Christ. Paul told Timothy, he was a young pastor, he says, I want you to appeal to the older men as to a father, because Timothy was young. He said, I want you to treat the younger men as brothers. Uh, Treat the older women as mothers. And treat the younger women as sisters with all purity. It's a family illustration. He's saying, Timothy, I want the relationships in the body of Christ to be like a family. And so the demonstration of positive family relationships, and Timothy did have those. He had a, a mother, is a mother Lois and a grandmother Eunice, or vice versa. I forget which is which. But uh, he had two godly women in his life uh, that had set a great example for him. Um, and so Timothy was called to follow this demonstration of love. God calls himself a father, doesn't he? Remember Jesus? He said, when you pray, pray our Father. That was revolutionary. Nobody, the Jews normally didn't call God Father. That was considered too familiar. Jesus said, I want you to call him Father. The Bible says that Christ is the bridegroom and the church is the bride. So Christ's relationship with the church is is given to us as a marriage relationship. So uh, in positive situations where where people have a love for each other, uh, that sets an example of what uh, we ought to to do in our love for each other, and especially in how Christ loves us and how the Father loves us is is a demonstration of this spiritual love, this Christian love that God has called us to. Finally, love is respectful. Respectful. Look at verse 10. The latter part of verse 10 says, Outdo one another in showing honor. The idea of honor is to, to treat somebody as they're heavy. I don't know if you remember back in the 80s, you know, heavy man. You know, uh, but the idea is that somebody is valuable. Do you know that every human being is valuable to God? The Bible says we are made in the image of God. God's priority is not the the galaxies that he has made or the the beautiful creation that he has made that we look and observe. No, God's priority is man. The Bible says every part of creation, God said it is good, it is good, it is good. When he got to man, he said it is very good. You are God's crowning creation. And every human being has an inherent dignity because they're made in the image of God. More than that, if you're a child of God, you put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, you have been adopted into the family of God. 
Every child of God is especially precious to God. And we need to have that same attitude toward every Christian brother and sister. Uh, I can't remember who shared this story with me, but it was a, a pastor of a small church. And uh, he was sharing with me that he had come across Adrian Rogers at a, at a convention. And he was talking to Adrian Rogers and some of these quote, quote, big shot preachers he wouldn't name. <laughs> he said, came and said, Adrian, let's go eat. Let's go eat. And he said, he said I'll catch up with y'all. I'm talking to this gentleman right now. And he stayed there and he paid attention and listened to this man and treated him with respect and honor. But it's from a small church. I want to tell you something. That's godliness. That's the love of God. Every person has inherent dignity in the eyes of God. And Christian love recognizes that and respects and values a person. First, because they're made in the image of God. And secondly, because they've been adopted if they're a Christian into God's family. So, um, Christian love is respectful. Describing Christian love, what is it like? Love is sincere. Love is passionate, love is committed, love is demonstrated, and love is respectful. The scripture says they shall know we are Christians by our love. There's no other characteristic of the Christian life that is more important than God's kind of love. And uh, sometimes we don't even know how to express it, do we? There are times that I've not known what to do in my relationships. I'm sure you've probably had that. Sometimes I've not known what to do in raising my kids. Uh, And I've taken that to God. I said, Lord, how how do I be a good father? How do I be a good husband in this situation? Lord, would you give me your strength, your power to do this? How should I be a good pastor to my people? Have you ever had those situations where you're wondering what to do? Seems like there's no good choice. God is faithful to come alongside us and guide us in those situations. Uh, Ask God to show you how to express love to people. Sometimes it might be in a rebuke. We're to speak the truth in love, the Bible says. The Bible says speak truth to each other because we're members of one another. So sometimes expressing love may be in a rebuke. Other times expressing love may be showing grace. Isn't it interesting, we mentioned this morning about the fact that Jesus never turned away anybody who came to him as a sinner. But another thing he never did was rehearse a laundry list of their mistakes. If I had been Jesus, there's probably a few of them I'd have said, well, yeah, it's about time you came. Remember when you did this and you did that and you did this and it begins. Aren't you glad Christ is not that way? Instead, he says, your your sin is buried in the sea of forgetfulness. That's as far as the east is from the west. We confess it. Um, There was a song that came out years ago. uh, What sin? What sin? It was gone the very minute you confessed. That's the way Christ treats us. So sometimes love may be showing grace to somebody. They come in their sin and their brokenness and... Maybe to confess something that they've done or maybe to say, hey, I'm struggling in this area of my life and you, you extend that grace to them and, hey, let me help you. Let me come alongside. Let me pray for you. Uh, it is the devil who points at sin and accuses. 
The Holy Spirit will point out sin to convict us for the purpose of us drawing near to Christ. But the devil will point out our sin and remind us of it. Don't take people that you love and remind them of their sin. That's not Christian love. Extend grace to them. Sometimes um, Christian love has to make a hard choice. What if there's something that, that God puts on the hearts of his people to do and other people don't agree with it? How do you deal with that in church? Well, I know some, sometimes people get mad, get angry. Uh, I've seen people say, well, you know, you just need to get right with God. If you, if you don't uh, believe this, you're not trusting God, you just need to get right with God, blah, 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 blah. And, they, she, and the other side saying, well, you know, you're not acting, acting right toward us. You know, look at this. You're not considering us. Uh, and they get mad. And, hey, I didn't get my way. What's going on here? That's not Christian love. Because I believe God is sovereign, I can love other people even when things don't go my way. Uh, as God's people, when you make a choice, there may be times we make a choice as a body of believers to do something, and there's people that don't agree with the choice. What do we do in that situation? We love those people. Guess what? People sometimes respond to a situation based on their giftedness. And that means when somebody disagrees, there may be something we can learn by that. Maybe there's a, somebody with gifted discernment, but I just don't have a good feeling about this contractor. Could we listen to that, take that to God in prayer, maybe choose, choose somebody else? Um, but the idea is that we consider each other and we show each other respect and we listen to each other and we honestly take these things to God in prayer, uh, then we can move forward. And if there's a disagreement, if we move forward in Christian love, uh, I, I've often thought about how frustrating it must have been for Moses. You think of this. He's gone through the wilderness. He's been accused. They've, they've about ready to stone him one time. Uh, you know, he's going through all these difficulties on his way to the promised land. They get to the entrance of the promised land. The spies give a report. Joshua and Caleb say, let's go up. The Lord has given us the land. Surely we can take it. And by the way, 10 to 2, the majority voted to sin against God. Sometimes the majority is not right. But God heard what the Israelites were saying. And he told Moses, he said, the people are not trusting me to go into the land. Uh, go back to the wilderness. You know, wander around in the wilderness for 40 years until this generation dies off and another generation is raised up. I'll take them in. How frustrating that must have been. I thought to myself, 40 years of waiting. Moses believed God for it. Now, God didn't let him go in because of disobedience, and that's another story, but... Um, Moses trusted God. Joshua and Caleb trusted God. They were going to do the right thing, and the majority said no. What did they do? They trusted God. 
they were obedient to God to do what God had called them to do. You know, we don't really know what our lives are about a lot of the time. We don't know, why did God, does God call us to a specific set of circumstances? I want to tell you something. There's freedom in just being obedient to the Word of God in your life day by day, following the leadership of the Holy Spirit day by day, and just leave the results with Him. Sometimes we go and we witness. Guess what? People are not open to us. That's okay. That's in God's hands. Other times, God does the work. They get saved. Praise God. Hallelujah. Uh, but ultimately, it's not my responsibility to worry about the results. It's my responsibility to be obedient to God. And so, Moses and Joshua and Caleb have to go through this period of waiting. But guess what? In Christian love, I love what Moses prays. You remember when they, uh, uh, the, the children of Israel uh, worshipped the golden calf? Moses is up on Mount Sinai. And they're down there worshipping this golden calf because he's been gone so long. And M Moses goes and prays to God. God says, I I'm about to destroy this people. They've rebelled against me. I brought them out of the land of Egypt, and this is what they're doing. And Moses said, God, blot me out of your book before you abandon them. That's a, that's a heart of love. And he's a picture of Christ, by the way, in that. He becomes, Jesus is the prophet like Moses who was yet to come. Who intercede. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Moses says, Lord, they've rebelled against you, but blot me out of your book before you let them be blotted out. He could have said, well, Lord, I'd like to be the next Abraham. Go ahead, make them crispy critters. <laughs> make a great nation out of me, because that's what God told him. He said, I'll make a great nation out of you. What about his selfish interest? Christ Christian love. The love that comes from God is a love that lays itself down. And Moses, in that instance, is a great example of that. So, as God is sovereign. By the way, I've just got to say this. God was doing a work in the wilderness while they were going around that 40 years. This new generation was learning how to trust God. And you know what Isaiah says? Later on when Israel rebelled against God, they'd come into the land and they began to rebel against God and uh, they were going to be sent off into captivity. And Isaiah had, had predicted that. But he said, I'm going to bring you back to the wilderness. What do you mean by that? Well, uh, the wilderness was a place where they learned faith before. But guess where John the Baptist begins his ministry? The wilderness. Guess where Jesus begins his ministry? The wilderness. Forty days. Except Jesus never gave in to the devil's temptation one time. And he began his earthly ministry. Uh, and, and it's interesting that um, people who were broken, people who were in sin, people who were, who were living in a desert, in a wilderness, 
at the end of themselves, reaping the consequences of their sin, came to Jesus. And Jesus met them at their point of need. They were ready to put their trust in him. Many times the religious people were not willing because they were not in a place of brokenness. So God even used the rebellion of the Israelites. Guess what? He uses the rebellion of the Israelites today. Romans 11 talks about the fact that God uses the rebellion of the Israelites to bring the gospel to the Gentiles. The reason we're having a church service tonight is because God can even use rebellion. And the Bible says he's using us to provoke the Israelites to jealousy. And one day they're going to be saved as well. They'll look on him whom they have pierced and oh, the wisdom of God. He can take a crooked arrow and shoot it straight. And so, trust Him. Be obedient to God. And in Christian love, do what God tells you to do. If things don't go your way, love people anyway. Continue to to be gracious to people anyway. Continue to do the right thing for people anyway. That's what Christian love is all about. Love is sincere, passionate, committed, demonstrated, and respectful. And by the way, the only way that you can have Christian love is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. Christ died for our sin, rose again, and the Bible says that if we'll surrender our hearts to him and receive the free gift of eternal life, God will save our souls. He'll make us a new creation in Christ. He'll send the Holy Spirit to live within us. He can then love through us. In this way. If you haven't made that decision, we're going to give you an opportunity to make that decision here in a moment. When we have an invitation time, I'll be standing here at the front and you can come down and trust Christ as your Savior. I'll lead you in a prayer of commitment if you'd like that help. Also, if you're here as a child of God, maybe you have not been living for God in love as He has asked you to. And you just need to come and confess that here at the altar and ask God, Lord, fill me with your spirit. Teach me what it means to love. Show me how to walk in the Holy Spirit so that I can love other people as you love them. Whatever God's leading you to do, we're going to ask you to do here in just a moment. Father, we come before you and we thank you for this description of Christian love. It helps us see a little bit more what your love is like for us. God, help us to hate evil, to cling to what is good. Help us to be sincere in our love for others and uh, to honor other people and show them respect because of, of their importance to you. And Father, I pray that in every part, in every aspect of our lives, whether it's in our families, whether it's...